One of the biggest challenges facing the great state of North Dakota today is workforce recruitment. We simply have got too many job openings and not enough workers. Hello and welcome to the Point of View podcast. I'm your host, Chris Berg. Uh, recently, Governor Doug Burgum from the great state of North Dakota was at a huge drone conference in Fargo. I had a chance to visit with him and talk about what is he doing? What can we all be doing to solve this workforce issue here in North Dakota? It was a fascinating conversation with Governor Burgum. So please enjoy this interview with Governor Doug Burgum. There's just there's so much going on across our great state right now. In your opinion, what's the most important thing that people should be talking about but aren't right now? Well, I think one, one of the things that we're really challenged in our state is with workforce. And uh, I know that I've been on the record saying that we got 14,400 jobs available because that's what's listed at, at job service. But if you go to Monster, Career Builder, LinkedIn, Indeed, all these other job sites, and then talk to employers, which I do whenever I'm with them, and I say, hey, you've got you know 10 nursing jobs open. How many do you really have? They might say 100. I, I, I'm, we are off at least by half on that 40. I think there's over 30,000 jobs open today in North Dakota. And then we had the uh, Wilson Basin Petroleum Conference last week. We take a look at the investment coming into our state. There have been five gas plants, each of these uh, hundreds of millions of dollars investment, so billions of dollars of announced new capital that all create long-term permanent jobs. These are not, you know, drill a, you know, drill a well for you know, two weeks, and then if the price goes down, the jobs go away. These are permanent long-term jobs that are going to be here. And so it's estimated that we may need as many as 60,000 jobs uh, over the next five years in western North Dakota. So then you say, okay, what does that mean for uh, building communities, Main Street Initiative? What does it mean for education? We got in some of our western communities, we have twice as many kids in first grade as we do in senior high. So we got we got to really dial up what we're doing on K-12. through Higher education, all kinds of challenges there, but we've got to make sure that higher education is listening to the demand signals so they're helping solve the workforce challenges. So workforce, is, the, I think, is going to become the gating factor that slows our economy down. Uh, and But it's an exciting time because uh, we, we these are great jobs and a lot of interesting things happening, but technology is touching every job, every company, every community. It's touching the way we do business at the state of North Dakota, and we've got to have the people to help, help us succeed in the 21st century. So let me ask you this. As you know, back in uh, the first time we had the oil boom, 2009 or so, we were in a recession, so unemployment was about 10%. Yes. Now you're at 3.9. I mean, it's really difficult now to find people across the country and you know as well as anybody you can typically focus on maybe one two or three items what are the one or two most important things as a governor you should be focusing on to solve this workforce problem well i think right at the top of the list is main street because one of the things that we know is uh, back when i was involved in economic development with uh, vision 2000 in the 1980s with uh, lots of other business leaders from across the state we, everybody was leaving and we didn't have any jobs. So we had to focus on job creation, job creation, job creation. Now we have an abundance of jobs and we have to focus on workforce recruiting. And statistically, we, can't, we aren't graduating enough people to fill those jobs. We have to have net in-migration. To have net in-migration, we're competing with other communities around the country for how attractive it is for a family to be there. It's like, can I find housing? Is there things to do? Is there a good education system? So the Main Street Initiative is really core to us solving the workforce issues. So maybe I'm missing something, but when I hear Main Street Initiative, I see sort of this five to 10 year vision from you, but this is a problem today. So 
what do we do today to help some of these employers? Well, we're doing a, a number of things, uh, you know, through workforce development. We're going to have an announcement later on this week on that topic. Can you give us a hint? Can't give you a hint, but <laughs> it's coming up in a couple of days. But uh, yeah, we there are some things that we have to the things that we have to do now. But uh, we because we have to support the private sector uh, and work with them. But we've also got to get the word out that we have all these great jobs in, in North Dakota. So. <clears throat> If you could just get this running nationally right now and let everybody know that we're open for business here and we'd love to have people move here. Maybe we can talk to, you know, Moonbez at CBS or something. Let me ask. I did, I did talk to the, uh, I had a chance to uh, fire the starting gun at the Fargo Marathon uh, a couple weeks ago and the individual that was starting the, firing the gun for the half marathon was the mayor of Winnipeg. And of course, Winnipeg has 775,000 people in their metro area, which is larger than our population in the state. So uh, I told them we were we were uh, going to be coming after at least 15,000 people to try to get them to move south to North Dakota. I think I've asked you this before because this has come up, but I do want to have you respond to it again because a lot of people would say, okay, if we're going to go to Canada and recruit people, how is that putting America first? What's your response to that? Well, I think America is the best place in the world to live. And I think that, you know, like we've had, uh, uh, you know, all of my ancestors came from overseas. And I, I think, uh, you know, some of these Canadians maybe just went a few hundred miles too north when they when they immigrated over here. So we just need to, we need to pull them across the border. I want to share with you a study. This is from the chamber. Uh, it came out in 2015. But what this shows you here is the national median wage and then the Fargo median wage. And you can see when it comes to business, computer, math, engineering, we're paying below the national median wage. Thank you for doing that. Love, he's like Vanna White right there. So. Also, also <laughs> but my, my question to you is, is there something that can happen with the employers to, I mean, because it's tough, as you know, to recruit people to North Dakota. Should, is there something they can be doing? Should they be paying people more to recruit better talent to our state? Well, as somebody who spent my lifetime recruiting talent in North Dakota, uh, I, I know that wage is one of the factors, but it's not the only factor. And so when, when you're trying to build a great place to work, it is about it is about the environment, it's about the physical environment, it's about the tools you give them, it's about the training, it's about the career path, it's about the culture, it's about the opportunities for growth. And sometimes it's about, hey, live here, but you're going to have an opportunity to travel, even though you're based here. So it's a, it's a multivariant factor. Wage is one of them. Uh, but, you know, there's plenty of examples of companies that pay more than anybody else and they still can't fill the jobs. And so we know that uh, we know that it, it's a lot of factors involved, but I think we're going to see wages going up uh, because of the tight labor market. That's yeah. one it's, it's going to go up and it's and when wages go up, then productivity becomes important. Automation becomes important. And that's why this conference is important because we're going to have to add automation the way the ag sector is done. I mean, you know, we could you want to get a job working on a farm in North Dakota, you might be getting paid $70,000 because uh, this, these are not minimum wage jobs anymore because of all the technology in, involved in running the equipment. Uh, you know, a combine, a tractor is basically a computer software system on wheels. And, and again, we need 21st century jobs everywhere, but if we, get, we have to look at agriculture. Agriculture is producing at almost 100 times more productivity in terms of the labor input than they were uh, a century ago. I mean, that's incredible. One possible recruiting tool, and you I think even brought this up back in 2014, but we see oil prices now going back up. You're putting together your budget. Are you tinkering with the idea of maybe making a request to get rid of individual income taxes? Well, it's one of the th one of the things that uh, we have to look at in a tight budget thing is, you know, can we balance, you know, revenues with expenses? And, uh, you know, corporate income taxes in particular make up 
a very small part of our revenue budget today. Uh, individual income taxes are more, uh, but it, you know, in this tight environment, I think you know we, we look we look at everything. But there are other states uh, that are in the. Uh, oil-producing states that have either zero corporate tax or zero income tax, and they do use that as a they do use that as a, a recruiting tool. And so it's, it's you know we're competing. I mean, it's a beautiful thing about America. States get to compete with each other, and we have to create an environment that attracts talent and capital to our state. That's the way we win, and and it's uh, and, and and we have to think about every tool we can use to win that battle. I'm so passionate about this workforce conversation. I, I appreciate you, everybody. Kind of right here, we're at the drone conference. So, the most important thing for the people watching tonight that they should know about this conference is what? They should know that there's 290 companies from over 30 states and uh, eight different countries that are here. And these go from some of the most innovative startups. I just had a chance to meet uh, a, a Companies doing humanitarian delivery of things like blood in emergencies. They they were delivering stuff in Puerto Rico after the hurricane in 45 minutes, where it had been a 36-hour drive because of downed trees and whatever. I mean, the the, the applications for how we can use technology uh, for everything for life-saving deliveries uh, to just to pipeline safety, uh, advancing our renewables. Uh, uh, the uh, you know there's a company out of Grand Forks here, Tommy Kendall's company. Those guys, they can used to, used to hang a person hanging off of a, a a wind tower. And these wind towers, which we have, we have we have billions of dollars of investment in wind in North Dakota. It's a huge energy engine, but those blades wear out. They get hit by hailstorms, bird strikes, whatever. So they were human inspectors going up. These blades are 63 meters long. That's 180 feet. You got a diameter of these things longer than a football field. And we were sending uh, young people up there hanging off these to do that. Now in 22 minutes, they can fly uh, a drone that goes up one side of the blade, down the other side, over and back, uh, and with better clarity. Uh, it, you don't even have to drive it. It locks on. The software keeps it tracking, and it's got better visual understanding what's going on in the blade than the human eye. I mean, that's, again, automatically collected data can be better than what humans can do, and, and what an innovation. I mean, and now they've got this company. He's got grown to over 20 people, and they're, they're flying wind towers all over the country. So it's exciting to see everything from the entrepreneurs and the startups that are here, North Dakota companies, all the way up to the largest uh, aeronautics uh, companies in the world that are also here. A lot of this stuff stationed up at UND. We were talking about the workforce recruitment, keeping people in the state. Any update on your higher ed task force, and what do you see coming out of that? Well, we just uh, met yesterday from 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. last night with the higher education task force and uh, taking a look at, again, all the different models because across the 50 states, there's 58 different systems uh, that within those 58 systems, there's lots and lots of variants around the way people do governance in higher education. Uh, I would say that I don't, from what, what we're learning now as a task force, I think it's clear that there isn't any particular state that has it completely figured out, particularly during a time of such dynamic change where how education, education delivery is changing so much. Uh, and has new forms of competition that they have to respond to. They've got challenges with their value proposition. You've got challenges with the student population. So there's a, lots of great inputs going in. We're about halfway through our task force effort. We're going to deliver our results in December in time for the legislature, and that may include 
uh, here's some things we can do different under our current system, here's some things that require legislative changes, or if we want to change the structure, it's going to require a constitutional change because the current current model of governance is built into the North Dakota Constitution. Anything you can share with us that you've seen so far, like, wow, that, that looks like a winning opportunity for North Dakota? I would, I would, no particular state that I would cite, but I would say I think there is an opportunity for us to empower uh, higher education uh, with more decentralized decision making because if you've, you know, if you're in a world of scarcity, the number one thing you try to do is eliminate duplication. And there's a role for that. But in a time of rapid innovation, what you want to do sometimes is actually have some structured competition. We want to, ha we, we want to have, that can be good in terms of the delivery mechanism because uh, you know, we can try to prevent our universities from competing with each other. And guess what? Every other school in the country is competing with us because they're offering online offerings that are trying to recruit our people to move there. And so higher ed is not K through 12. Higher ed has to learn how to live and succeed in a world of competition. To succeed in that world, it means innovation. To be innovative, you've got to push the empowerment out to the front lines. Last question, how are the new digs? Well, we are uh, just last night had our, with the Higher Education Task Force, we had a working dinner, but it was the first event we had hosted there. Nice. Uh, and uh, Chief Justice uh, Vandewal, who is uh, the longest serving Chief Justice in American history, uh, is on that task force. And so he was able to put his first signature in the, the guest book for the new house. So that was kind of a... So last night was your first night staying there? First, well, we, we've stayed there okay. on the... They, what we call the private side, but <clears throat> it was just completed this week. Uh, and if you if you still come by, you can still see the dumpster and the porta potties in the yard because it's still a construction zone. But with the inside was done. We were able to host a you know host a working dinner there last night, and it was uh, f so historic in that sense that we've kicked off the use of the of the building for uh, public meetings. 